McFall has Zemo'd us, Chris. He has manipulated us into, into being uh-huh. enemies. And we're, we're not. We, we're Captain Iron Man. Me and you, Chris. These days, the comic book owns pop culture. Literature, movies, television, even music. You'll find it all in the panel of your favorite comic book. Us, we're living the comics life. We're breaking the panel. Welcome to Breaking the Panel, where we go inside all the news headlines and the things that make you go boom in the night, all related to comics from the back bins to the big screens. And today we do have some sad news. We'll get to that here in just a moment. I am the Rock Kind of Podcasting, Charles McFall, and along with me, coming out of hibernation, geeking out, he looks like the Unabomber, if the Unabomber looked like Zelda. It is Paul Klotz. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't know any characters from uh, what you're actually playing, which I just lost the name of it. There are uh, no characters. It's fine. Just okay. <laughs> I, I I remember, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So, and and as you hear chuckling in the background, the the man himself who is here to push the lines of censorship and oppression, <laughs> that is Travis Jones. What up, everybody? The Blazing Defender. Man, how is the Blazing Defender report going for you? Great. I love it. Good. So well, tonight, uh, I've been <laughs> broadcasting live on Facebook as well. It's nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's going pretty good, man. Getting some good feedback. So we'll just keep on rolling and see what happens. Good, 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 good. And Chris Wisdom might join us towards the end of the show. He just got back from being out and about where he had to be doing his day job kind of stuff. And uh, had some things come up today was going to be on, but he might join us at the end, but he should be returning weekly here very, very soon. And that'll help the Blazing Defender report out because he was handling some show notes and posting there and so on and so forth. So we're getting we're getting things back rolling, man. We miss Chris. It's we I miss Chris, but it's been a wonderful month or so without any mention of any Weasleys. <laughs> now you brought it up and he'll he'll feel oh, the yeah, force. No, that's fine. I mean I've had time to recuperate, you know. Yeah. That those wounds are sealed. The salt has been uh, rubbed deep into those wounds. <laughs> and they are now well healed. Uh, what I love, what I love is you did the exact same thing you had. I would have done because you just have to. Once you realize your mistake, you just dug as hard and as deep as you could. Because you know what else are you gonna do? Um, yeah, I did it for the fans. I did it for did the Nookie. So, all right, here comes. So we do headlines. We do. It really is our opinions on the headlines. It's not just news. It's news that has us discussing things. And of course, we pick at each other. We're having fun. If this is your first time listening. This is how it goes. And today I just want to go ahead and get the hard news out of the way because we're going to have some fun with some other stuff. And it kind of, I don't, this doesn't exactly set the tone, but it, it, it's in my mind. And I got to talk about Anton Yelchin, man. He died uh, Sunday tragically at his home in Studio City in uh, California. And when I saw it, and actually we'll have an announcement to make later, but uh, when I, I saw it, it came across a Twitter feed that I'll mention in a few minutes that said, you know, Anton Yelchin died. And this was like mere hours after the fact. And I thought somebody was being a jackass and being uh, spoofing. And you know how uh, a couple of years ago, Bill Cosby died like four times that year. 
uh, I thought it was kind of one of those things where it just takes off on the internet. And, and then I saw who posted it and I know they wouldn't put that kind of thing out without vetting it first. And sure enough, I Googled it real quick and Anton Yelchin was at his home in California on uh, Sunday afternoon and his car rolled down his driveway and took him with it and crushed him against the security gate. And it's really just, man, very sad. The whole way the accident happened is so tragic and sad. And the fact that he was really, really blowing up as an actor, just, just, I don't know. I have no words. So uh, you guys, uh, what do you, obviously other than sad, what are your memories? What, what do you know about him that you liked? I, you know, the big, the big thing for me is what he did for the, his role in Star Trek. I mean, you know, the, the first reboot film there was a really big risk for everybody involved. You know, everybody who signed up for that film, they knew they were going to be under a microscope. I mean, you're talking about like 30, 40 years of fandom all bearing down on you. You know what I mean? Yes. And right. you know, what you can say what you will about the way J.J. Abrams went about making those films. I think they're fine, but a lot of people have their issues with them. But what you can't really argue with is the quality performances that that entire cast put in. Yeah. And he was, I mean, I don't want to downplay, you know, his brilliance in that role. Um, There's because, no downplaying his brilliance. I mean, he right, was he just, just freaking did, epic. He was, epic. Uh, you know, a key player in in probably the most iconic, uh, you know, ship uh, crew of all time. And he did just such a stellar job. <laughs> Sorry, pun intended, I guess. <laughs> uh, such a stellar job of portraying a beloved character and doing it in his own way. That, Like, I mean, th- there was a bit of a bit of what you would kind of expect, but like very much his himself, you know what I mean? Um, and he was fantastic. It was incredible. And, and so was everybody else. I don't want to downplay anybody's contributions. Um, and it, it was a real pleasure to see him on screen. And from everything I've read in the aftermath here, like people are just devastated by this. I mean, his co-stars yeah. are just wrecked, you know, like they're, they've all reached out on social media and they're just, you know, they're ruined by this, like, and it, it's, it's just so sad because he's so young and it's such a freak thing, you know, it's like, yeah, ah, man, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of reminded of, um, oh man, I'm drawing a blank because I forget stuff all the time nowadays. Uh, I'm trying to remember, um, the Fast and the Furious actor. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Paul Walker. Oh, there you Walker. go. Yeah. I couldn't remember his last name. I always go to the meathead. You know, it, when, when, he, when he passed, it, it was kind of, you know, similar. It was very sudden. It was, you know, right around the time of a really big, uh, you know, strong series film coming out. You know what I mean? Right, like right. a lot of fans and everything. And it's heartbreaking. And the same thing there. All of his co- his co-stars reached out and the same thing. Um, you know, and the difference was, though, like he was in a, you know, high-end sports car and, you know, it seems like the scenario there was that they were being a little bit reckless, you know, and it went poorly. In this case, I mean, it seems like Anton was just checking his mail or something. And Right. And and, and it turns out I covered this on Chaos and Coffee. Uh, it's a new news show I'm doing for Blog Talk Radio uh, and just started the Monday after this happened. So uh, it was in 
they're unsure if it was put in part properly, but here's the thing. He drives a Greek, uh, 2015 Jeep Grand Cherokee that had already, that model had already been under investigation by the, was NTSB, the national traffic safety, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, about there's been more than one accident involving that model Jeep where people were swearing they put it in park and it has this thing called an e-shift. So it's not an actual gear shift now. It's a computerized e-shift. And they're investigating whether or not there's a fault with that. And that's the exact same model they had. And the last I heard, initially they're ruling it just an accident, but they are investigating like you investigate any accident, especially because it's high profile. So it is possible that there's something wrong with the car that caused this to happen. Wow. Um, and that, that, that hurts. That. Yeah. That's, yeah. God, that's, I mean, it makes an awful situation. This that much more worse. worse. Yeah. Well, right. what, I, what I said on chaos and coffee was the looking for the upside of it. Cause there's hard. It, he is a massive loss, not just of human life, but of amazing talent who was doing some really great things. And I want to talk about my memories of him in a second. Uh, I'll let Travis go first. But what I said was, if if we can look for anything, if there's a possibility of a fault with the Jeep and they find it, perhaps mm. his life saved hundreds, if not thousands of more because they looked harder and deeper. You know, right. yeah. I mean, I hope it, I hope it's just, God, I hate to say, I really hate to say this because then it's just a stupid, senseless mistake. But I really hope it's just, he forgot to kind of put it in park and jumped out to, to go do something. And then, it just right. messed up. I mean, I, I hate to say that because it's stupid, but at the same time, I really, man, if it turns out to be a fault with the car, it's going to be really bad all the way around. No, you know? I mean, it's that there's, there's no winners here. No, this is right. right. It's a, it's a situation. Um, it's a, frankly, it's a, it's a weedish way to go. Like, Oh, I couldn't imagine um, a guy, you know, a guy in his prime, you know, I mean, this, the film's about to come out in like a month. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was. Uh, it's just like, and it's it's one of those things where it's just like, you we're gonna go watch this film, and like I'm getting emotional right now just thinking about it. Yeah. We're gonna go watch this film that was one of his last projects. I don't know if he did anything else since then. Um, you know that it will come out after the fact here, but like you're gonna go watch this, and it's just gonna be so insane. You know what I mean? To see this young talent on the screen and just know that this is this could be it, like this might be the last great performance we see him in, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know he had three or four other projects that he was working on. I don't yeah. know the progress, so there might be one or two others that come out after his death. But yeah, this this was the last big because he was, he was so busy. He was always doing the the indie films and the offbeat stuff too. Yeah, but this will be your last big blockbuster for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Travis, um, what are your memories? What do you what do you know him for? Um, man, I was I was so devastated when I heard this, and and only because um, like it's with every with all the streaming that we have going on nowadays, and, and I mean you can get movies online now, and, and it's sometimes there's so much content out there, and let's be honest, a lot of it's not very good. <laughs> That's true. I think we might have lost Travis for a second. I don't know. We lost Travis. Uh, well, I'll, I'll pick <laughs> was, up. Was that a quality statement on this show? <laughs> well, a lot of us not good like this show, so I'm out. Uh, so we'll wait to see if we can hear him 
come back. I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, but obviously I can still hear you and you still hear me. Mm-hmm. So, um, what my memory is, is when I worked in an office, I was, I was taught how the pirate films at that time by the head of the IT department, uh, no less. And I was always looking for something to entertain myself. So I looked up this movie at the time called uh, Alpha Dog, and I thought that was a cool title. And I kind of IMD beat it and said, oh, that kind of sounds interesting. And Justin Timberlake's in it. And, and uh, there's somebody else that I recognized at the time that was in it. So I'm like, oh, you know. I'll, I will watch this. And that was the first time I saw Anton Yelchin. And he's one of the main characters in the film. And it's a indie film. It's definitely an offbeat film. And, dude, it was so dark, but so good. I just remember, not to spoil anything, but there's there's this part at the end where some some darkness happens. And he he just played it to the T all the way to the end. And I was just blown away then. So then right after that, his first really big film was uh, your major movie release film was uh, Charlie Bartlett, which is this film that's based in high school. And it's like he's smarter than the principal. And he's kind of running this this business inside the school. And normally I wouldn't watch it because it sounds like a a teeny bopper kind of film, except he was in it. And I had just seen him in Alpha Dog. So I watched it. It's a good film. And I was actually talking to Ibit about that uh, the other day before the show. And he first took notice of Char- of uh, Anton in Star Trek, like probably most people did. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, crap, I've seen Charlie Bartlett. Okay. And you go to his IMD page and you're like, oh, man, I've seen that and I've seen that and I've seen that. Mm-hmm. And just, he's such a good actor and they can do so much with his look that his face is always his face. He's not that kind of actor. Um, but his hairstyles change so much that is is you don't always connect one to the other. Sure. So, uh, so yeah. So it, lots of great stuff. You know what? Go go watch some movies you haven't seen. If it, you know, instead of less lingering on the the sadness of his death and the loss, and and I, when I go see Star Trek, it is going to be it's going to be awesome. And then at the end of the movie, and the credits roll, just like when I watched the Chris Farley special. That they released after his death of uh, Saturday Night Live, Chris Farley best moments. And I watched the whole thing. I'm just caught up in it, and I'm laughing. And then the credits roll, and I just start bawling because I realize that there is no more. There will never be any more. And I, I can I can kind of see that happen in, in a, a Star Trek. But for now, go and celebrate his life and his work. I mean, the man has so much from back in the day from ER, where he first got his his first acting role was on the TV show ER uh, as a, I'm sure as a one episode person, patient, whatever, all the way up through, he started doing dog, uh, movies and alpha dog. And then from there on, you just tons of material. So definitely check that out. You know, Paul, what would cheer you up right now? I don't know. <laughs> I guess maybe a crate. Maybe stuff. maybe a crate full of stuff might help help get like, you up like, and get your spirits going. Some, some fat loot, <laughs> dude. That's totally what they should have named their company, Fat Loot, instead of Loot Crate. Uh, but yeah, you know, no matter what's happening, when I get that box in the mailbox, it just changes my day. So Loot Crate, you know, you get collectibles, apparel, T-shirts, stuff for your kitchen. All kind of amazing, great stuff delivered right to your door every single month. 
all kind of exclusives from Harry Potter to Marvel Comics. And we just had a Fallout 4 box, Star Wars, so much more. Get all this for less than $20 a month. You know, you probably spend $20 a month on crap you don't need like McDonald's. Spend it on Loot Crate instead and come geek out with us. You get it every month. It ships on the 19th of the month. So you've got until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe or it's over. Head over to lootcrate.com forward slash giant size team up and enter code giant size team up to save $3 on any subscription. That's lootcrate.com forward slash giant size team up and enter code giant size team up to have it come to your house. So Travis is having, I just got a message from Travis that he had to reboot his computer. So apparently something locked up, but he will be jumping back in and we got an update from Chris wisdom as well saying he might be in in the next 10 minutes. Uh, but here's one that I was hoping to hear really hoping to hear Travis talk about. I had never heard of this and in class. wanted to know if you've heard of this treasury editions of comic books. Yeah, it's not really on my radar, if I'm honest. Yeah, you know, I, I never heard of that. It sounds interesting. I can tell that the collectors and, and our audience would definitely be all on top of this. I'm sure Uncle George and Brian Ibbett are rolling around wherever they're sitting right now. Like, <laughs> oh, you noobs. Mike. You don't I know bet a Mike damn is. thing. Yeah, Mike's editing this, and he's like, oh, he's probably messaging me. Just, just stop the editing. Message me. Get it out of your system, man. I understand. Uh, but this month, Marvel Comics revived the long-defunct Treasury Edition format with the first collection of Spidey, uh, Robbie Thompson, and Nick Bradshaw's old-school take on Peter Parker's high school years. But the collection is old-school more than just storytelling. Treasury Editions are an oversized format familiar to many longtime fans that served as a showcase for some of comic books' most memorable most memorable god dang it memorable moments thank you Klotzy, from marvel <laughs> dc's characters finally matching wits to superman stepping into the ring with a legendary muhammad ali and i bet that's what? why they brought it back because yeah, uh, muhammad ali passed away and of course the superman versus muhammad ali edition uh, or uh thing came out but here's the thing these are tabloid size format so think the oversized newspapers at the newsstands if you know what the hell are newsstands anymore if you're not in new york city but get your ruler it's 10.2 inches by 13.4 inches it's larger than a printed sheet of paper so that's what we're talking about the oversized it's not quite the size of a full-size newspaper it's what that is three-quarter size newspaper something like that uh, but they're considered the IMAX of comic books. I love, I love how you take a new term and apply it to old stuff. But these are obviously reprints. So this is interesting. So is Marvel trying to imply that bigger is better? I they, <laughs> they might be. Are they, these books going to be larger than life? <laughs> All right, Stanley. Uh, keep coming. Keep going. I, uh, I was kind of more yeah. of channeling the kid from the Goldbergs there, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's actually a website out there called treasurycomics.com, which chronicles the history of the format. And I see some action comics. I see Batman stuff here. Uh, I just, I never had that department store, drugstore history that, people like wisdom have and that uh, not class your glots that uh mike 
Woodard has and, and Uncle George. Uh, the comics I bought, I literally, I, I started collecting in the mid-90s. And there was a comic book shop in my city. And that's all I ever knew was I went to the comic book store and bought comics. Well, see, I, I also started collecting in the, the early to mid-90s as a, as a child. And we had both. I mean, they're in my city here, which is a smaller city. You know, there's only about 40,000 people in the city proper um, nowadays, uh, a little bit more at the time in the early 90s. Uh, but, yeah, we had a comic shop in town, um, in the mall. And, you know, we had one mall in town. We were that kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> tumbleweed blowing through type of little yeah. uh, watering hole type city. But, um yeah, I mean, we had a shop, I, and it was, like, a great time to get into comics because I, I distinctly remember it was, like, when they started doing crazy stuff with the covers of comics and, like, a lot of great events started happening. Like, you know, I always mention Age of Apocalypse, like, all the lead-up to that. I remember the X-Men, um, Uncanny X-Men had, like, holographic covers. Mm -hmm, like, they mm -hmm. had little, like, holographs on the cover, so it had normal art and this holograph thing. Um, and then I, I'll never forget the... Um, the Spider-Man issue with the metallic cover um, with that classic image of it's all webs and Spidey in the middle of it. Yeah. But, um, but we also, you know, the drugstores were like, I lived in, I lived in a rural town about a half an hour North of the city on that I live in. And so for most of the time, if we didn't go down to, to the city to go shopping or something, I had to get whatever comic happened to be on a, a comic rack in a drugstore. So I, I grew up buying off whatever was available on one dinky rack in my local drugstore. So I totally get that. But I, I was definitely after all of this stuff. You know what I mean? Like I, all these classic, like special formats and everything. It was, you know, it was always normal size comics for me. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is okay. So full disclosure to everybody. Uh, I threw this in because I knew Travis is the comic book collector of all of us. That's what his show is, The Blazing Defender Report. Every Wednesday, he goes and, and gets a pull, and that ranges from six to ten books every week, and he reads them. And then his show is is his his personal review of it, what was strong about it, what he liked, what he didn't like, and lets you make your own decision. So I threw this story in going, hey, this is kind of cool, but he'll be able to say a whole lot about it, and he's still struggling to get back on the show. <laughs> so, uh, so I, yeah, I mean, all I can say is this sounds really cool. I'm going to read a little bit more of the article here. Um, this is from the the Rob Kelly, who maintains the website treasurycomics.com. I remember going to a department store and seeing these giant-sized books, Dick Tracy, the Super Friends, the Marvel ones, there were no comic shops where I was, and these were my window to being able to see all these stories that had come and gone before I was even born. So it sounds like even then, back back when they first were issued, these were reprints of older yeah. original books. Well, these, uh, if I, without knowing anything about the format, I would guess that this is the kind of thing that probably predates what we call trade paperbacks now. Okay. You know, like I see what you're saying. Yeah, anthology yeah. volumes. Like I, I'm pretty sure that those weren't available until relatively recently, last couple decades here. So you know, that's a thing. Like, so you would probably do a large format magazine style approach to it, which right. is cool. You know, I mean, it's it's interesting. Now, now you know who might 
have something to say on it, it would be Chris Wisdom. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, uh, radio edit here, but y'all some fish talking. What? I'm just saying, I, if, if anybody has listened to the last few episodes, I need, if I have any fans, I need somebody to contact the show and defend my honor. No <laughs> you can't even be bothered to show up for a month and then you show up yeah, late. You're be. fired. <laughs> oh, it feels so good to be back. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate Texas. I don't hate Fort Hood. I'm just glad to be away from there. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, hey, man, I'm glad to have you back just in time. We're talking about Treasury Editions. Are you familiar with the Treasury Edition versions of comics? I am. I am. Good. Thank uh, God. You can save this story. Please carry on. <laughs> well, where where did I fall into the... Uh, I don't... Well, okay, so we're talking about they're actually... Marvel is going to be bringing... They're reissuing a Spidey Treasury Edition, which is the Robbie Thompson and Nick Bradshaw's old school take on Peter Parker's high school years. Mm-hmm. And they're actually doing that this month, I believe it is. Or maybe in July, but very soon. They're going to be putting out a Treasury Edition of Spidey. And so we were talking about uh, Klotz and I, neither one of us are really familiar with Treasury Edition. So why don't you kind of fill us in on your experience with that? Well, they're just more like a prestige format of the comic book. So sometimes if they've got notes from the creators and things, uh, they'll, those will be I- included. Um, but think of them kind of like the, uh, oh, when DC does it, you know, it's usually like the ultimate edition of whatever. Um, kind of a step down from that almost. Um but but sim- in a similar vein, I mean, there's extras that are included. Usually, I want to say, I want to say I've seen them before where the format's bigger too. So and they, they you know they clean up images or whatever. Yeah, it's a ten point two inch by thirteen point four inch book. Mm-hmm. So that's that's quite larger. That's a good bit two inches larger both ways than a printed sheet of paper. Right. Yeah. Whoa, really? Are we measuring? <laughs> well, um, you don't want to know how I measured. Here's an interesting tidbit of trivia. The very first Treasury edition was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, published in October of 1972. Uh, so apparently, the Treasury edition was invented in the 70s because of waning comic book sales. Uh, one of the most famous Treasury edition books, Superman versus Muhammad Ali. So, which of course we've heard a lot of in the news recently because of uh, Muhammad Ali passing away. Oh man! So you know what? I don't. I don't know. Do you have anything else, thing else to say about that? Because I'm kind of waning on this topic. No, I'm good. Yeah. Sorry, I feel a little. Uh, I apologize for being late. Well, you know what? You know, <laughs> one last thing to say though. Uh, it looks like Travis got back in. Now, and Travis, we were just yeah. pimping out how the Blazing Defender. You go and buy books. What is what is your level of familiarity with with these? And real question that our audience is going to want to know is should should anybody care? Is this going to be a collectible? Should we go buy this? What's the deal? I mean, it's it's like anything else I tell people about. I mean, I don't want to say it's gimmicky, but it's kind of gimmicky. Uh, I I dig it because I remember those books, and I actually have the Muhammad Ali Superman edition. And I broke it out uh, to show some friends, you know, here in the last couple couple weeks with uh, Muhammad Ali passing. So I mean, it's 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 cool if you're a fan of that. If not, I mean, would I would I recommend people to go out and buy them? No, because the stories were stupid. Uh, I mean, to be it's honest, true Muhammad Ali, he's uh, stupid. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> Just saying. <I'm> <laughs> 
Lady of Louisville. But um, you know, if you're a fan of that kind of stuff, then yeah, go ahead. But you know, I, I'm not gonna reach out and, and buy them. Okay. All right. Well, I think we've beat that dead horse quite enough. You know, if you have comments that you would like to make, if you, I did post this story on breaking the panel at facebook.com forward slash breaking the panel. The whole story is there. Uh, we got a few responses that said, yeah, I had this version of that book or this version of this book. So if you're a big fan of the treasury edition, let us know if you're not a big fan, you know, you can mention that as well. So we'd love to hear from you. That is facebook.com forward slash breaking the panel. Now, Travis, you brought this next story to the table about Dr. Strange and toys. Yes, I did. Um, and now I can't find it. <laughs> well, I'll set Can you I out just like, mention we... that this is by far the most stilted and awkward episode of the show we've ever recorded? All right, folks. For the folks at home, what's going on here is we're having technical problems with Travis. He just rebooted right. his whole computer, so he's trying to dig for the articles and whatnot. Uh, Chris just <laughs> literally walked in the door from getting home right. from traveling for work. He's been uh... gone for weeks. And that is the dedication that these guys have. They keep turning back up for you. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and Charles and I are just doing our normal mediocre. <laughs> I think the the awkwardness is, is that the last time Travis and Chris were together, they they went so far off the rails, it's hard to look at each other in the eyes. Well, last time we were together, we were bros, and then all of a sudden, we're not. <laughs> oh, well, no, we'll get, we'll get to true. that. We'll get, we'll get to that. What McFall, McFall has Z-mode us, Chris. He has manipulated us into, into being enemies, and we're, we're not. I he, we're Captain Iron Man. Me and you, Chris. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. We'll, we'll, all right. Yeah, we'll roll with that. All right. My feelings are hurt. The butt hurt is strong in this one. Well, we'll get we'll get to the Chris's butt hurt corner in a minute. Uh, all right, I found. All right, I've good. Got it now. All right, all right. Tell us about it. Okay. Uh, well, everybody's been speculating about Mad McGilson's um, mysterious villain, Doctor Strange, has been a subject of much spec much speculation. Now, you know, people have been saying Darmamu or Nightmare. Well, the heroic Hollywood has received images from an upcoming Marvel Mini Mates action figure set who lists Milskin's character wait, 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 name wait, wait, as... Wait, 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 Spoiler alerts. Just for oh, everybody who doesn't yeah. want to know. Okay, now go ahead. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm going to butcher this name. Yeah, I can't read uh, that name. I'm going to paste it and send it to you guys. But it's like Kelkilkis. That's the best I could come up with. Uh, and you might be saying, who the hell is that? You're not alone. Uh, he's not one of the first characters you would think of, but some, but somebody more than a casual fan would probably know. Uh, he's basically a dorm or, or a Baron Mordo henchman. He's a disciple of Baron Mordo and he's evidently going to be in the film and that's going to be, uh, Mad's character for the film. So I would so maybe pronounce it by the spoilers. Yeah, I'd maybe pronounce it Casilius. It's K-A-E-C-I-L-I-U-S. I don't know. That looks better to me, yeah. Uh, I'd say it's pretty good. Uh, who knows? Who knows? But here's the point of the story is not the spoiler, which, you know, that's honestly not much of a spoiler, really, at all. Uh, I If you think that's a spoiler, I, I'd love to understand the world you live in because it's an unknown villain. 
and it's just the main villain of the movie. Why do we have to be surprised by every aspect of the movie? I, I don't know. But the right. point of my wanting to talk about the story is, yet again, a toy company spoiled something that was going to be in the movie. And we talked yeah, about this like with Lego, Civil really. War. Yeah. yeah. There's not, it's, it's, that's hard though. That's a hard line to walk because when they're, when you're, when you're trying to sell these products and you're putting them out at trade shows, I mean, you have to be months ahead. So do you go there with no product? Do you go there with blacked out product? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, don't I know. think you go there with blacked out product. That's going to generate some buzz, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you yeah. still got people that are going to be interpreting. How do you black it out? Do you just black out the shape of the character? So then you're generating you're generating all the speculation and possible spoilers because you're like, oh, well, that looks like Giant Man. It must be Giant Man. There's no but other that it could be. is well, way better than just showing it and giving up all that buzz. I mean, where is the marketer in you, Chris? Where is it right now? <laughs> you need to bring your A game when you're I trying know, to sell because, toys. Right, but when you're trying to sell toys, you want to know what's in the package. You don't necessarily care what's in the movie. You so know you, what I mean? So you've got you've got two you have two right. you, you have two marketing strategies that are working at odds of each other because you need to know what's in the box for the toys to generate that excitement, but you're possibly spoiling aspects of the movie. Which I get the downside of that, but it, it's I don't know. I'm not I'm not butthurt about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I would have to agree with you. Uh, I'm not upset by that. I think the problem is now we put so much as an internet society, we put so much emphasis on knowing every little bit and then not knowing, wanting to know. And people just share stuff because some people like to watch the world burn. So, you know, there's people who instantly wrote stories about the Lego kit with Giant Man in it, ruining, you know, potentially spoiling giant man was going to be in the film so and what? what no i'm just i mean it's like yeah. so what giant yeah man oh yeah, yeah. So, i know yeah. i know i mean we kind of treated it that way and here's the deal i don't know about you guys but i know Emmett and myself we both forgot that giant man was gonna be in the film until the second I he's jumping off the yeah. the stairway mm-hmm. yeah i did too yeah and even yeah. then i Knowing that I knew he's going to be in the film, I'm sitting there going, "Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it!" Woo! You know. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there, there there are certainly some spoilers that could be achieved through toys and stuff like that that would be devastating. You know what I mean? Like if, if when Star Wars came out, if they made an action figure, a scenic, you know, play set where <laughs> with, with know, a Luke lightsaber through Han Solo. And Vader's like it got a, a thought bubble that's a, or a speech bubble that says "I am your father." That would be an epic spoiler. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> it like like the giant man thing. Like I'm I'm just I'm going off on this. All right, the giant Good man word. thing. We know that's something that he does eventually. Like huh. that is the character. Like Ant Man gets big. Like in every iteration of Ant Man, at some point that character gets big instead. No big deal Uh, with this, with Dr. Strange. So we're going to use a like D list referenced character. And that's who this major actor is attached to. So what? Who cares? That's cool. Let's see it. You know what I mean? I mean, that's my whole thing is it's like if you're not giving away major plot points like, you know, Snape kills Dumbledore or (laughs) what? exactly you know like yeah. that's not what we, like if again if there was a lego playset 
that <laughs> like Voldemort chopping like Vol or uh or, I'm sorry, Snape uh chopping Dumbledore in half or something. Yeah. Then I'd be like, uh guys, like Oh um, no no. I'm looking for the I'm looking for the Halloween costume that has the half a lightsaber in front of you and half a lightsaber behind you with the Han Solo vest. <laughs> <laughs> you can make it a dual pack and have the uh the amazing separating Qui-Gon. Yes. <laughs> this show just went really dark in a very good way. Those are great ideas. I would love to have all those toys. I would buy yeah. every one of those. <laughs> Uh, hashtag nerd fact Qui-Gon did in fact not get divided or separated in any way shape or form there's just a hole in his chest but I don't, well, I, don't uh, I mean that part of him got separated <laughs> <laughs> just saying I just don't want the emails I just don't want the emails okay. no we do we only <laughs> want the emails give us some hate yeah, mail yeah, give yeah, us yeah. something to read send me your hate I will bathe in it yeah uh, please I would love it yeah no I mean that's that's the thing I mean come on we didn't get any Darth Maul Legos with amazing cauterizing action or anything like come on <laughs> no but Darth Maul Legos pull apart in half at the waist they point. do so spoiler so spoiler? does every but so other, does every other Lego out there <laughs> oh. oh man so so uh, you know what? I think I think the problem is other people. It's not the toy company. People it, get too butthurt over yeah. stupid things. There's lots of stuff. We talk. Okay. On this show, we're an opinion show, you know? Yes. We're, we give you our perspective on what's going on, what we see. We've talked about, you know, Captain Hydra and like, oh, I hate it. I don't really care. You know, stuff like that. We have strong opinions. That's fine. But, like, people get way too upset about stuff that does not matter at all. That is a monumental event in the history of a character that's been around for decades. The better part of a century, in fact. Well, and if you watched Giant Man and you saw the Thomas the Train Engine, then you knew at some point he was going to get big. So there's no... Right, yeah. 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 <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And so... There, there is culpability on the people that read the articles that say something about German Toy Fair shows a surprise appearance in Marvel Civil War or in Captain America Civil War. If you're the guy that opens that and says, huh, and then you get mad because you clicked it and opened right. it and read it, that's that's not the fault of the person that wrote it. Right. That's not the fault of the toy company. That's the fault of you for reading it. What? Right. I mean, we're, we're not talking about last season Walking Dead AMC puts out a banner with two key characters, one of them carrying the other one's dead body. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like, like wow. spoiler city at exactly ten oh one Eastern as the episode ended, right. and the West Coast hasn't seen it yet. Kind of, you know, we're not talking about stuff like that. We're talking about this character's in this movie, by the way. <laughs> oh, this character uses this power that it's used a million freaking times in the comic books. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, and you know, culpability to me is the people at those trade shows. Because there is a, compared to the internet world and the movie-going world, there's a small faction who actually gets to go to these things and see these things. And it's them who is sharing this, right? That a person writing the article about the Dormammu sidekick, whatever guy, they didn't necessarily go to the toy fair and see it. Somebody shared an Instagram or you know put stuff out. We don't have to do that. We can just say, hey... I enjoy knowing a little something more and just let it go. Although I don't know if any of us in, in this 
recording would go to a toy fair and see that character and go, Ooh, that's a spoiler. We'd all be like, right. What the hell is this? I want to move yeah. on now. Ooh. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> but speaking of AMC, before we hit the next break, they have mended their ways. No more. Will you get a spoiler banner of that kind of thing happening? Because we know Negan is in the show now. Right. And we know he's, he's a, bad mother watch your mouth person and he's gonna do bad things they've actually shot at least it's been rumored i didn't quite confirm this because i didn't plan on bringing it up but they the rumor has it they have shot death scenes for all 11 major characters in the show so there will be no no potential spoiler at all everybody got killed we just don't know which one's going to air so that's that huh. seems kind of messed up. <laughs> a little bit, right? You know what that sets up for, though? When that season comes out on DVD, then we get a Clue-esque oh, uh, yeah. ending to that episode. Nice. Awesome. Oh, you know what would be really even better? This would actually make me maybe buy the Blu-ray set, is if they actually parodied Clue. Like, Clue. did a little digital short that did that but wait what if and they kind of ham it up and then you see this grisly death scene so it's that contrast of funny and dark and then they do it again i it'd be i think it'd be funny have i told you i kind of messed up sometimes that's just me (laughs) all right we've got one more story then we're gonna have chris's butthurt corner at the end of the show but first we got a word from our sponsors all right, coming back in. Now, uh, something I covered on Chaos and Coffee that is not here, but I think you guys have fun with. Did you know there's a Star Wars cologne and perfume coming out? Does it smell no. like desperation? It no. does, indeed. Some of the stuff, like the female one is the only one I remember what was in it, and it's named after Amidala, and it's a very, very bad imitation. The canister is a bad imitation of a lightsaber handle. And the one for there's two for men. A dark side and light side, right? And there's one for a woman, and it's for to be regal and a queen like Amidala, and it has patchouli in it. And I couldn't help but think of the sign I saw on Facebook that said, "Yeah, patchouli was started was used between 1700 and 1900 to cover the scent of dead bodies. So if you're right. not dead, you shouldn't be wearing it, <laughs> <laughs> or into the dead." Yeah, oh my god. Um, yeah, like, dude, when you just said that, I made the face a cat makes when they smell some dookie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh. Uh, I, I know. Hopefully there's going to be no pop-up audio on this. But here's an interesting, and I'm glad, Chris, you're here. I'm glad, Travis, you're here. Uh, Klotz, of course, always, you're going to jump on these <laughs> Klotz, discussions. whatever, like, yeah. guys, yeah, mediocre like, in it. We're not even... These other two jokers are here, yeah. but you, you It's know. not like Paul has anything else to do. It's not, yeah, it's not, well, it's oh! not like he... Oh! 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 Welcome back. Wisdom is in We haven't house. talked in weeks. You don't know anything about me. You ain't me. You don't even know me. All of a sudden, this went to Jerry Springer. You don't know me. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, all right. So the this is an article from moviepilot.com that I really enjoyed scamming through because i know i was going to talk about it so i, I stopped reading scamming it through? scamming yeah i'm scamming it uh <laughs> the star wars characters that don't need their own anthology films and to set up the tone for this argument movie pilot tv does not even like 
that this next movie is going to be the Rogue One. Like, yeah, that was a story only mentioned once at the start of the New Hope, but you know, we're getting a whole movie about it. So they're, they're, they're not liking that we're getting a movie on that. So here's a list of characters that we never need to have their own movie. And I'm just going to throw the name out and we, we can discuss yay or nay and, and whatever. Soapbox it up, whatever. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Does he need a film or no? Yes. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, no, I actually agree with the article in this example. I kind of agree with the article, too. I'm not sure. Okay, so Travis and Chris, what what would you want to see in this film that we haven't already kind of had fleshed out? I'd, I'd like to see where how he goes from Padawan to this. I, I would like to see I would like to see the struggles that he had as a young Padawan and even as a younger knight when you see when you see Sifadius uh, C- and uh, Count Dooku leave the order. <laughs> I would like to see how it affects those. Right. Those, uh, that that would those, be that would be cool. And I'm gonna go I'm gonna go one a little fast forward from that. I would love to see his time on Tatooine when he was guarding a young Luke Skywalker. And and I totally am stealing this from Jason Aaron and his Star Wars run right now because that's the stories that they're doing. Okay. Uh, where he's trying to stay in the shadows and trying to hide the fact that he's a Jedi, but he's trying to protect luke at all costs i mean it's kind of his mission now that he doesn't feel like he's a jedi anymore so i mean i think something like that i mean ish, man i would give all my money to that yeah, see i'm, yeah. oh, I'm about that i i like that idea and chris's I, I idea was dookie but <laughs> no but like so in the clone wars they've introduced this idea that he had a relationship with duchess satine right yeah. uh, mm-hmm. of the mandalorians right. why don't we explore some of that I mean, if you're yeah, going to put it out Are we getting the rated R movie? Create the, hey, sure, why not? Well, why not? I, see, I, th- I think if we, if we talk Clone Wars era, Clone Wars era is pretty fleshed out. Like, With all the cartoons and stuff, yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, they, they've really... Is, but this is pre-Clone Wars. Their relationship existed before the Clone Wars. Right. But is is it compelling? That's the real question. Like, Was Star Wars compelling before they put it on film? I mean, if it's done right, anything's compelling. Yeah, well, I guess, but I mean, like, I, I much, much, much more prefer the idea of what Travis was talking about than your. <laughs> you <laughs> no, can actually kind of do both. But, but so then, but so, I, I mean, at the end of the day, all that matters is that you were wrong in your first assessment. <laughs> he doesn't need his own spinoff movie. And sure, yeah, an anthology with, with Obi-Wan would be good. And I mean, this article, I, I, this looks like a tweet longer to me. I mean, whatever. Yeah, this article is. It, it, this is Chris. I mean, or, or sorry, I mean, a Twitter oh. longer. Twitter longer. Twit yeah, longer. Twit longer is what they're called. Twit no, I was trying to figure out what Charles would call it. It's a Twitter yeah. longer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Dwight longer. I, I would call it a teal deer at this point because you guys are going on too um, long. No, no, let's jump to the next one because y'all say we're now. Who cares? Boba Fett. I thought he would be. It'd be a great bounty hunter rundown film but a movie pilot thinks no what do you guys think boba fett i'm kind of on the fence on this one i think they the the article here taps into my big reservation about it and that is okay so they think uh, this article posits that they did a good job of explaining his origin in the prequels i didn't like I that think that's bullshit. i, I think that's i yeah. think the whole shoehorning him in as a clone it was the dumbest thing they ever did. Yeah. I hated I that. Um, I, I think they destroyed the potential for a cool 
character origin by doing that. Um, so to me, I, I, I think that like there are two big crimes that I see in the Star Wars universe that undermine two of the coolest villains in the series. And that's Darth Vader and Boba Fett. And that was showing too much of their backstory and in the prequels and portraying them as whiny children in both instances. And I just don't look at them the same way. I mean, Boba Fett's still cool. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the same anymore. He's not, he doesn't have this air of mystery. He's not like, he's not superimposing. It's, when you show these characters as children, it's just not the same. You know what I mean? They're not the these awesome, imposing villains anymore. And we don't um, know how he became the villain from the child. We don't know that. Well, I mean, his father's well, Django. His father is a bounty hunter. So he basically follows in his father's footsteps. Yeah, but I want to know. He was killed by a Jedi. And he I was felt killed like, by a Jedi, so he wants revenge. And revenge, that sends him yeah. down a dark path. You know what I mean? But it, I don't know. I, I, I really think like they showed too much and they kind of undermine the character. And so therefore I'm a lot less interested. Um, I'd be, I don't know. I, I have weird feelings about it. I'd, I'd, I'd actually rather see them do something with Sabine from rebels and like a solo thing with like an actual live action thing with her at some point after they fleshed out their rebel storyline assuming she survives it because i assume all those characters will because i don't think they'll kill major characters on a kid's show like that but you know yeah uh, that i think would be a lot more interesting because the the thing about boba fett back in the day was always that he was he wore the mandalorian armor and there was always the debates between people like is he actually mandalorian or is right. he is he just wearing the armor because it's cool or whatever or he took right. it from somebody who had it um and they they kind of squashed that with the prequels. Yeah, Chris, what do you think? Because you're, you're kind of silent here. Well, I'll tell you. For me, Boba Fett, Karen Travis did such excellent work um, in the old EU, fleshing out that character and fleshing out yeah. the Mandalorians. And to me, the greatest sin committed by the Clone Wars and Dave Filoni was what they did to the Mandalorian culture and all of that backstory and just completely mm. decimated it. So for me, I would like to see a Boba Fett story that does explore how he goes from child to the Boba Fett that we see in uh, episode five mm -hmm. and, and see that exploration because I would like, I would like somehow for them to be able to re reuse some of what Travis had done and kind of fix what they, what they screwed up. And I know a lot of people that that are accepting of the fact that the old EU has gone away and that they're going in this new direction, but that's one thing that they just can't get past is because that, that character was awesome those the mandalorian culture was awesome she went so far as to create a language for that culture right and just like mm -hmm. uh no we don't need any of that that's dumb. That, that's that's one of the things i thought about the expanded universe that was so underused was the that mandalorian culture that they created that was so badass and i don't know if you guys ever played the knights of the old republic uh mm -hmm. video mm -hmm. game that was on xbox uh, they really got into that culture there and like some of the in-house fighting and stuff like that. It was just, they had their own political system and they were all warriors. It was just a really cool thing. I wish I, I would so love to see that on the big screen. They're the Klingons of Star Wars. No, I mean, every, every, every language is going to have its own, its own language or every, every culture will have its own language. And there's words, I think more Maori than, than Klingon because they don't, the, the Mandalorians don't, they're not they're not war for war's sake, but don't mess with them. You don't don't, right, right. don't, don't start fish. You don't want to if you don't want fish. You know what I mean? Right. But, um, but they're it it 
it shows the the way they have relationships and the way they accept outsiders that you know um it's there's there's more to relationships that family is more than blood things like that it's it's you build everything i mean there there a lot of them are just families of orphans that have all come together and that's what this this culture is well i would watch the movie you guys are talking about yeah Yeah, right i mean so and i mean you you talk about the, the other thing that they did was so to to paul's point about well he's just a he's just a clone of Django Fett. I mean, Karen even went so far as to, to, to answer that question. Uh, what, what does that mean? And in her world, every clone, there were different levels of clones. Your everyday clone trooper had so many different genetic modifications that made them more compliant, um, just made them yes-men, essentially. Like, you gave them an order, they were going to follow it. So they had certain aspects of Django Fett, but they really cut down the independence of Django Fett. And then you move up. Um, so then uh, the, the clone commandos, like the video game clone commandos, those were special operators, and they had more autonomy. They weren't as follow orders as they are given, so they had more free thinking. And then there were the ARC troopers who were, even, who were even above that. And Boba Fett is an unaltered clone of Jango Fett, raised as his son. So it's, it is Jango Fett 2.0, essentially. But you don't mm-hmm. know that from watching the movies. You have to, you know, you have to, have to, have to read the books. And then in the, even in the, the Clone Wars, um, they don't really explore it. And he's on, I think, three or four episodes, and you kind of, kind of see him fall in with some other bounty hunters, but that's it for. Yeah, for and I, and I just want to say that because I I thought about this when uh, they made the Wolverine origin, but it, you know, in this article it says mystery what makes him the beloved character he is today. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when they were going to do the Wolverine uh, origin of the Weapon X story. You know, Marvel did it because they said if we don't do it, Hollywood's going to. And I remember fans went absolutely bonkers. And they were like, oh, no, you can't do that. You know, that's what makes Wolverine Wolverine is because we really don't know where he comes from. And the, he's a man of mystery and all this crap. Mm-hmm. Weapon That Weapon X storyline was one of my favorite yeah. Wolverine stories. And, but I was kind of like that. At, you know, I was kind of on that boat of, well, maybe they shouldn't mess with him. But then when they, they like you said earlier, uh, Chris, when it's done right, you're going to love it. You know, and, and that story was done right. And I think they could do the same thing with Boba Fett. I would like, honestly... A Jason Bourne style film with Boba Fett with a bit of that Game of Thrones, you just don't know who's going to die grittiness to it. You know, take it a little bit darker than Jason Bourne ever went, but that, that, th- I mean, he doesn't have to have the memory loss. I'm not talking about that, but that whole, I, one of the aspects of the Jason Bourne films is just the constant motion of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see a Boba Fett movie do that. That's I would I mean. like to see a dread film with Boba Fett. <laughs> yes. Never takes the helmet off and just murders yes. everyone, and <laughs> that would be fantastic. I would take that. That would be fantastic. All right, and there's more. You can check out that article over at facebookcom forward slash breaking Okay, the wait, real quick before we uh-huh. move on, there is one thing I got to call this article out on because okay, there's a glaring omission from this list of characters not to make a film about. Hashtag where Frey. <laughs> Sorry, good. I, I and I, I feel like how can you write an article about characters that don't need a solo anthology film without mentioning Jar Jar freaking big? Oh right, yeah. No. <laughs> I don't think anybody ever thinks he needs a film for any reason. George Lucas certainly did at one point. Oh, you're he right. almost made he three did. freaking movies about him. Um, uh, I honestly think that there's probably an executive or a creative director somewhere who's like. We should do a movie about Jar Jar, and then hopefully there's a whole mess of people who just turn in that office and give him a dirty look. And it's like, <laughs> get out! Like you're fired, leave. 
Yeah, go live on the streets because you're wrong. Where they yeah, power no, the, the Ed 209 and give him 10 seconds to comply. all right well uh instituting a new type of segment because chris has been gone for a month but he's been catching up on the shows obviously here is chris's butthurt corner you get to bring up no 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 you call us you uh, you call us poop talkers man i I want to know i want to know what 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 bones you got to pick unless you want this son All right, like I said, hopefully I've got a fan out there that will will attest to my heterosexuality because apparently that's been questioned. Not that there's anything wrong with being homosexual. I don't have I don't, an issue. I don't with recall that. questioning it. You know. Yeah, I know you guys were pretty. Bla- you guys were. Pretty <laughs> but no, hey, I did want to. I did want to go back to the uh, the the uh, mystique the mystique poster deal because okay yeah yeah here, here uh-huh. is one thing that i feel like the the feminist community is getting is getting wrong on this because you guys you guys started to allude to it and travis was absolutely right when he brought up the the scene in deadpool but it's okay what do you want do you want strong female characters or do you just want mary sue's because if all you want is a is a pseudo strong female character that can have no real competition and no no real problems to face then that's that's not what you want either you don't want you don't want a female character female lead character that's just going to win in every single instance i mean if you look at what what the x-men franchise has done it took a franchise that was essentially about wolverine can we agree on that sure that, yes. it was all about wolverine and we have transitioned it to be about mystique so now you've gotten this this female this female lead character who's who's fairly strong even through the the first two X-Men films, it, Mystique has always been fortunate, and in the comics, and, and rightfully so, that she's she's very independent. She doesn't need anybody. She can get the job done however it needs to be, right? Mm-hmm. And by the way, I don't remember any, any crying when she took three uh, three claws to the guts in the first X-Men. That's right. But yeah. um, maybe it's because it wasn't on a poster. Yes, yeah, I think to be fair, the, the arguments are about the actual out-of-context poster than they were in the scene, although I still think it was too much. The context it needs to be viewed in is you have the movie's main protagonist in locked in a in a death grip with with the mo- the movie's main antagonist. I I don't think if you would have put two males on that, it would have ever been questioned. And I don't think it they're not married. Maybe they ma- made that assumption because they're both blue. I I don't I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, so I, I mean, this isn't Smurf on Smurf crime at all. So. <laughs> you're tripping i just i just i feel like this is this is one of those places where they, they're getting it wrong and they're hurting their own cause it's it's just like mm-hmm. so so the, to me i wonder if every wonder woman poster that we see coming out is it just going to have to be her in a heroic pose i mean one of the best we talked about uh batman versus superman one of my favorite things in that was when she takes that hit from doomsday and then just smirks and comes right back at him my favorite yeah. part of her in that film was that I, yeah, so that was i mean you need to you yes you can't you cannot promote violence against women in in a in a vic, in a victimizing way. But when you right. show that a female is strong and can be on par with whoever it is that's dishing it out, absolutely. Just like one of my favorite one of my favorite movies of all time is True Romance. And I don't know if you guys have seen True Romance. It's been a long okay. time. It's Christian Slater. Yeah, but there is a scene in there when James Gandolfini is just destroying Patricia Arquette, and that, that scene is tough to watch. But the way she comes out on top in the end with with a Swiss Army knife and a corkscrew, right. I mean it's amazing. And you, yeah. you, it's it's it is five minutes of uncomfortable scenes to watch, 
and then it's you get to see her come out of it on top. But I mean, isn't and, that what makes a hero is coming through adversity? Absolutely. And, and I mean, a, it's like they don't want adversity; they just want to be the hero. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like, well, that's kind of right. how it works. Yeah, you know, the other thing is, I'm thinking as you're talking about it, Chris. If we look at this scene through the context of the film, up until that point, Apocalypse kills a few people by manipulating sand and consuming their bodies right that was if i recall correctly that scene where he grabs her is the first scene in the entire movie where he physically lays a hand on an opponent so he just Mm. made her worthy enough to actually right which means that he you know he is standing toe to toe with you know someone that has gotten close to him first of all and you know he's got yeah he's got her in a death grip but it's like she's there she's up in in you know face front in the thick of it she's i mean and she's not a character like wolverine who has super healing and you know adamantium claws that can cut through just about anything depending on your level of uh writing chops um you know like or any like she's not half of these other characters that have amazing powers she's i look at her like if you want to look at it in like rpg terms she's a rogue She's mm-hmm. got stealth and subterfuge are her main weapons. She, you know, she's got some like Kung Fu action going on here and there. Um, she's but she's the black not, widow of, of the X-Men kind of kind of. Yeah. And she just, she doesn't have super strength. She doesn't, but she, she's a powerful character in this. And she's, she's a poster child for a movement. She doesn't want to be, but she is in this film. I think the character is a really strong character. I don't really care for the way it's being written in this movie. You know what I mean? I have some issues with it. Um, I like what they're trying to get at. I just don't like the way they're executing it. And I also just don't think Jennifer Lawrence wants to do this anymore. But, um, you know, like that scene, that those were opponents on the battlefield and she was given equal credence. You know what I mean? If not more than pretty much everybody else he had fought up to that point. And that's a huge scene. That That is where the entire X-Men team have to come together and use their combined powers to try to distract him so that, you know, they can maybe get a chance to do something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, and then it's followed immediately by another scene with the, arguably the strongest female character in comics period, uh, mm-hmm. exercising her cosmic muscle, mm-hmm. you know, and just like, so, I mean, it's one of my big pet peeves and maybe you feel the same way, Chris, I don't want to put words in your mouth if you don't though, is that, people look at things out of context and just drum up this huge drama. Yeah. I I agree with that about the poster for sure. You've got to educate yourself on these kind of things. If you want to really make an issue out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've kind of talked about in the past a little bit, like, uh, you know, 50 shades of gray, Uh, that movie, like some people love that movie and, or the movie and the books and everything, but there's a whole community of people who engage in a lifestyle that is represented by that book. And they speak out against it because they're like, that doesn't represent our, our, our little community at all, because that is a very disgusting relationship. It's manipulation. It's, you know, subversion. It's not it's it's not an honest and open and healthy relationship in any way, shape, or form. So those are people who come out and speak out against something from a place of knowledge and a place of experience, and it represents their community. This whole thing is it's a f- freaking billboard, and you don't. Yeah. A lot of the people who are arguing about it don't know any of the context. They probably don't even know 
any of the characters in the film. They probably don't know who Apocalypse actually is. They probably just assume that's the name of the movie. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. And that that that's it. You know what I mean? So. And if you look that's at just from, my thing. just just if you look at the the gender balance in the movie, I would. I mean, you have to. It's it's mostly male, but the the off the movie poster that they're offering is fifty fifty percent female. So again, they're 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 doing some things right. Actually. If you really think about it, this movie's split almost down the middle. Almost, but... I mean, it's got quite... You know, it's a pretty fair play. And the characters... I mean, two of the horsemen are female. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're both powerful in their own way. I mean, I think they were misused in this film, and they weren't represented really that well. Um, of the X-Men, you know, the more powerful and more important characters actually were female, which mm-hmm. I don't think is a problem. No, I mean, I, it's, you know, the way it was represented in the film, Gene for example, bring something to the table that is different but complementary to what Scott brings. And Scott's just coming into it. You know, like you can see that Scott's just kind of starting to realize that he can kind of take charge and take control of his destiny and the team and have an impact. But she's not like subservient to him, nor is she not. She's complementary. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's not mm-hmm. in an opposition. So there's all kinds of like dynamics like that in the movie where that is showing I mean, the X-Men speaks to the concept of a utopia where people are not discriminated against and judged for the color of their skin, their origin, right. you know, all this stuff. And they're showing that in that movie. I mean, they, we've kind of – I told you I, I have my issues with that film. But they're, they're, it's being represented in this series, and that's great. And none of these people understand that. And none of these people want to acknowledge that because that doesn't serve the uh, agenda and the narrative that they're pushing. Right. And that that's the thing I said then, the thing I'll stay on now is the fact that you, if you look for problems, you'll find them. And the yeah. quotes that they gave, including the celebrities, I can't even remember her stupid ass name, who's done a bunch of stupid ass stuff in her <laughs> career and life. Uh, the quotes they gave were like, oh my God. Uh, I had to explain this to my nine-year-old daughter driving down the road. I'm like, explain what, baby? It's a movie. Do those people look real to you? Uh, yeah, see the buildings? They're all the blown to hell. holding the blue girl. And yeah, the, the like, like what the destroyed. hell do you have to explain? I don't, one, talk to your kids about violence. If you have a nine-year-old, they should probably be aware of domestic violence because it's a thing in this world. And if you start teaching them now to love themselves, they won't get themselves into a situation like that. So talk to your kid anyway. But secondly, here's the one thing I've taught my children from a low age and, and I'm gunning for, you know, dad of the year award here. <laughs> I just got Deadpool, the Blu-ray collector's edition, whatever uh, for father's day. And I'm going to sit down with my 11, 10 and five year old and watch it with them. <laughs> And I'm going to explain. They already Holy know. Crap. The two older this is a ones. a whole new show. We, right. we, we just, yeah. whole new wait, wait. Uh, uh, I, I, it's, it's breaking up over here. Uh, <laughs> uh, my internet's going down. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. There will be things that, like my father used to watch with me, we'll fast forward through certain parts, skip certain parts. As far as the language, most of it will, you know, the, the sex jokes will go over their heads. I've already explained sex to my older two kids. I've already explained time and place of using language. So the more I think of it, and I've already explained violence to them. But it's a movie. You don't yeah. do stuff you see in a movie or you're going to have some really bad real life consequences. And that's the answer you give to this little girl in the car when she says, oh, mommy, what's that man doing to that woman? That's not a man. That's a blue smurf. What? This is a movie, darling. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. 
Because that's what kids will do. You're looking for a problem. I don't believe there was any serious, because I will absolutely take that stand. If there's a serious, uh, uh, some bad juju against women, I will stand up against it. If there's some serious bad juju against gays, against any aspect of life, if you treat somebody less than being a human being, I will stand up against it. But this is not that. This is people looking for a problem. And, yeah. you know, and, and you guys uh, who saw the movie went into the movie. Of course, we went into the background of the, the X-Men themselves. And you're all right. You're right with that. But if you just narrow it down to the billboard poster, I understand Fox has a brand and yada, 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 yada. But sometimes you just go, I'm not apologizing for that. You know, you're looking for a problem that there's no problem. But I, you know, and I guess, and Paul kind of, or no, Charles, you brought it up. You were, you were saying that you can't tell whether or not that's female or not. So what if you take it one step closer? Because she's a morphing character. So if she sure. would have been in her William Stryker form, all right, yeah. And anybody knows that that's actually Mystique, then is there a problem? Because it's two men on the poster, but it's actually a female. So then is, so are right. are the feminists still upset, or does that become a transgender issue? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think we all agree this is the climate of the world we live in. Everybody no, is no. wanting to be butt hurt. Everybody yeah. wants to be uh, I'm a victim. You've uh, you've offended me. Uh, everybody is looking for that. I say everybody. I'm being general, of course. You're talking but, about the ones I who mean, get the press, the loud, the loud asses. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, look, look at every, everybody is so scared. Well, it's like the, the movie theater, like where you guys were just talking about where, you know, we feel like they kind of should have owned it uh, because that's not at all what it represented. They took it totally out of context, but they didn't. They because they know that they can't sit there and say, no, we stand behind this because of these reasons, which would make total sense. They can't do that. Because then it would be an even bigger issue because now they're not taking responsibility for it. But taking responsibility for what is, it would be my question. You see what I'm saying? I mean, but this, this is what the society has come to. I mean, we're getting uh, kind of getting off the subject, I <laughs> yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, but no, I mean, I mean but it's the, the thing I always bring up because, uh, you know, I have feminist friends. I, I have female friends. And, and, you know, I have some male friends who are feminists as well. Um, but like I have some very close females in my life. I, I know at least one of which is going to listen to this show at some point in the near future. Um, we have lots of conversations about these topics and uh, the one I'm thinking of in particular, she immediately dismissed it out of hand as like, that's ridiculous. It's nonsense. Like that is so crazy. But like when Gamergate came up a couple of years ago, I got into some really knockdown drag them out conversations with some of the women in my life. You know, because I understand where they're coming from, but I'm like, the, the problem we have in a lot of these topics is you have people on one side of the argument who are as loud as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. And it, frankly, many of them actually build a career around being as loud as possible. I mean, there people call out social justice warriors all the time. And it's it's actually getting to the point where it's like a meme to just or like a, an easy fallback to just accuse somebody of being an SJW if they if they care about people in any right. capacity, which isn't fair because like I think it's an absurd term, but it, it's it's accurate. You know, it's it's the whole th it's the whole same concept as white knighting and everything. It's just ridiculous. And I actually I, I very often on the show make a strong stance that if you try to coddle anybody for any particular reason you're doing them a disservice 
you know, but if they have a legitimate complaint, if there's a legitimate gripe, then stand with them, but be reasonable and be constructive and say, hey, listen, this thing happened. There's this scene. There's this billboard, whatever. This is how it bothers us or this is what it represents to us, but do it in a constructive manner. They're not doing that. They're shouting. And then on the other side, you get the Internet's biggest assholes who come out and, you know, they do horrible stuff to people. They, you know, like threats. They do the Mm. doxing. They do the the SWAT calls to people. Like Mm. they do all this horrible (sighs) stuff. But on both sides of this, it's these are the worst of the worst, basically. You know, and some of these people, like, I think some of the trolls just think they're having a little bit of fun on the Internet and they don't realize the ramifications of what they're doing. And on the other side of it, I really do think some of the really crazy SJWs have their hearts in the right place, but they're so misguided that it's like the what you're trying to push, the the place you're trying to get to is just not reasonable or sustainable. Like, And a lot of times they do it at expense of other people. I have a lot of issues with the whole gender discussion, uh, gender rights and gender you know roles and everything, because a lot of times the conversation is about trying to overcorrect one side of it to such a degree that you start doing the exact thing that you were complaining about and upset with to another gender or yeah. another you know racial group or another sexual orientation. So that's my whole thing is like you have to realize that these are just like politics. You know, these are people who are in the business of making a fuss. These are people who like to be noticed. These are people who like the attention. Uh, they like to be seen, you know, and it's not always of merit. You know, it's not always fruitful or meaningful what they're saying, you know? So that's my whole thing is just, you know, keep, take some things like, you know, tongue in cheek or like, just like let them roll off you or whatever, because it's not always that heavy. You know what I mean? Yep. And so that's my whole, my whole thing. And with that, that is really good place to end the point here. <laughs> uh, you can get your two cents in. You can go to giantsizeteamup.com forward slash breaking the panel. And there's a speak pipe tab right there. It says, we really would love to hear your thoughts on our show. And you click it, anything with a microphone. It can be your tablet. It can be your phone. It can be your computer. Anything with a microphone, you can leave a voicemail. And we've had those before. We really do love them. You can email BTP, that's B as in breaking, T as in the, P as in panel, BTP at giantsizeteamup.com. And we'll read that on the air as well. And, of course, Facebook.com. We're gonna, I just realized we've not been posting the shows to our Facebook page. We've been posting articles and discussions. And the other day I went, huh, we're, we're I don't know, 20, 30-something episodes in. And we've not put a single one on our Facebook page. So that's going to change. So as you listen to this, you can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash breaking the panel, and leave comments on the episode there as well. We'd love to hear what you have to say. This is all about the discussion. It's all about going back and forth. Chris, it is good to have you back, sir. I am glad to be back. Travis, you know, it's it's uh, it's been a good run, man. We've yeah. really, really enjoyed having you here, but, you know. Hey, Travis. Bye, Felicia. Travis. You're in my spot. <laughs> uh, you know, I... <laughs> See, Chris, I thought we were bonding. <laughs> now you're we were dead. bonding, man. Now, now you've turned against me. And now All you're right. dead to me. You can go away. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, uh, I guess it's now uh, you're fired, Travis. Uh, no, uh, uh, now I'm fired. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely not. Though uh, we'll have him back. Uh, you might be the, the well. You're always going to be the go-to because what everybody doesn't understand about Travis is he's so flexible and so easy to work with that and there's I been times the day of the recording. Yeah, I'm not going to let you besmirch his character. I'm going to keep on talking. Uh, there have been times the day of recording, I'm like, oh, crap, man. I had a last-minute dropout. Can you fill in? He's like, yep. As long as he's not working, he's always ready to go. And, you know, we reward that kind of loyalty. And by that, uh, he he will probably be – we're going to have some other guests. We miss Casey Strauss. He was an amazing guy. We want to get uh, Ellie Collins back in. She was amazing. We have – a new show in the giant size team up that's being onboarded right now, but you can go over and to their website at geek girl authority and check out booze and phasers. It is three lovely ladies who get drunk and talk star Trek. And it is just an awesome roller coaster ride, man. It is so much fun. So uh, they will be coming on as well to the panels and uh, to uh, when we do the big movies and of course, uh, we rotating guest spots in. But Travis, it has been a pleasure. Thanks, and everybody, sir. check out Blazing Defender Report. Yep, it's it's awesome. That's on YouTube and Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Blazing Defender Report. Yep, and if uh, we get Chris to help us out, uh, it can be on iTunes again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So while Chris was away, we maintained barely maintained right. the stuff that he did. You know. I you forget how much somebody really does until they're gone. Like, oh my god, we need yeah, to start finding some Chris. money I'm for this point. I miss you. So I, uh, I, I got love for you, man. You're yeah. you're the reek to my Ramsey. That's all I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> oh damn! Oh, oh, oh man. Well, oh, on, on that note, I really on, on that note, I. Hey, uh, let me tell you something. Chris has been thinking about that for two weeks. He's kept that in his pocket, and rightly so, brother. That was a good one. I'm, I'm, I lay down on that one. Oh. I, I just imagine Chris being away with a little notebook, and he listens to the shows, and he's like, "All right, so then I'm going to do this." <laughs> so then, this is where I cut Travis's nuts off. All right, yeah. Well, you know, so. You know, Joe, Joe Pesci said, you know, if they come at you with a with their fist, you come at them with a bat. If they come at them with a bat, you come at them with a knife. And all I'm saying is you haven't seen the knife yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> Unless you're a master knifesman, a knife cannot beat me with a bat. Mm. I'm just saying. Uh, all right. So, on the, all right. I guess for Paul Klotz, Travis Jones, Chris Wisdom, I'm Charles McFall saying some people hold the door. Other people kick it in. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking the Panel is the flagship podcast on the Giant Size Team-Up Network. You can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel, and you'll find more of our amazing podcasts at giantsizeteamup.com. Giant Size Team-Up.